0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Queen of Calm podcast. I'm your host, Paisley Haddad. So, as always, I just want to take a quick moment before we get started to thank everyone who's been tuning into my episodes, for my guests for being on the show, and for everyone who's been following along on social media. I've just been having such a great time, you know, since I began the podcast and since starting season two as well of, you know, meeting with such unique guests and hearing about their unique journeys and, you know, how they get to be in the industry and what advice they have for me and my listeners. I hope that you all are learning just as much as I am with every episode that is released. And there are so many great episodes to come. So be sure to stay tuned. And if you want to keep up with, you know, any new guests that are coming through or anything that I'm working on, be sure to follow us on social media at Queen of Com Podcast on Instagram and at Queen of Com Pod on Twitter. There, I post about all my upcoming guests, um, you know, current episodes, clips, um, as well as, you know, any news that's coming out. I'm currently working on an Instagram live series that will be coming out later this spring, so be sure to stay tuned for that. Um, So a lot of exciting things coming soon, and if you're feeling generous and you're uh, enjoying the show and you really get some great pieces of advice from my guests, be sure to head to Apple Podcasts and Spotify and leave us a five-star review. It's very much appreciated. And if you're interested, there is a voicemail feature on our show where you're able to send in anything that you want on the show, whether it's a question or, you know, asking for advice or a question for one of my guests, past and future, or if you just want to share a topic that you'd love to hear on the show, be sure to head to the link in our Instagram bio and click leave us a voice memo, or you can go to anchor.fm slash queen podcast slash message to leave us a voice memo and you could be on the queen of Com podcast. But as for today's industry insights, um, I know last time we talked about entertainment um, and I unfortunately forgot to give you all a listener question of the week. I haven't done that two weeks in a row, um, but I've just been so enthralled with what my guests have been sharing and, you know, the great tips that I haven't been giving a listener question. But as for this week, I want to talk about this past weekend's Grammys because it's so hard to watch these award shows and these different things on TV without putting my PR hat on. So as I was watching the Grammys, mostly to support Olivia Rodrigo, congratulations, Olivia, on your three Grammys. Amazing, um, as to be expected. Um, But as I was watching the Grammys, it was so hard for me to take that PR hat off because I just saw so many PR worthy moments. But the one that I want to talk about the most today was how the Academy really shifted the, you know, brand message of the Grammys. So, you know, in the past, you know, there were these glamorous awards and, you know, only the best musicians were the ones featured. And it was all about the glitz and the glam and, you know, the Hollywood aspect of it all, as most of these award shows are. But I did notice that the Academy was really going, or the Recording Academy, I should say, not the, like, Oscars Academy. But the Recording Academy, I could see this year, was really shifting more into that you know, celebrating everyone in music and how hard it's been for everyone working in all these different industries throughout the pandemic because they've had to, you know, stop doing their jobs because there were no tours or there weren't anything in person like the Grammys. So throughout the show, if you did not watch, they had, you know, different touring managers come out and introduce the performances that they're, you know, uh, bosses i should say uh, were coming to perform and i thought that was such a great moment to shout out those people behind the scenes and then they had the president of the recording academy come out and do this commercial where he talked about you know how music is more than just you know the music that you hear on the radio and on streaming it's about all the people behind the scenes that make it happen and so i just saw that shift in you know, the award show landscape and especially in comparison to the Oscars, which were were the weekend before. And, you know, we saw the drama with the slap, which is, you know, another PR crisis that I'm sure will be in textbooks for years to come. Um, But we saw it with the slap and the glitz and the glam. And it was all about, you know, the celebrity moments. And it really wasn't about those people behind the scenes. But to see the Grammys really take that jump into that new you know brand messaging and And seeing how they're trying to, you know, change the narrative behind their award show, I thought was really admirable. So hats off to the Grammys team and the Recording Academy for, you know, really trying to change things up with their, you know, award show structure and their brand. So my listener question of the week to all of you is, do you think that these award shows need to change up their, you know, brand strategy, you know, their reputation in order to attract these, you know, younger viewers or just to attract more viewers because i know that a lot of people were talking about leading up to the emmys i mean leading up to the oscars about how you know their the viewership was down they were looking for these new ways to drive viewership and so once the slap happened it seemed like for the first time in the past few years everyone was talking about the oscars i saw people on twitter saying like i didn't know the oscars were happening until the slap happened so definitely there was some overhaul going to come to these um you know award shows and how they can entice more viewers so do you think that these award shows need to be doing that those overhauls to really attract new viewers you know keep it current so what's your opinion on that i'll put that on our instagram stories and you can weigh in on that topic but as for today's episode i'm so excited for you all to hear from my guest she made a big pivot during the pandemic which is the theme of today's episode to make the jump from journalism to pr And she shares so many great insights from that journalism background and how she's implemented that in her PR career, and then how she has, you know, now been working in PR while also teaching at Point Park University. So she really has a unique perspective with working with students who have been going through such a turbulent two years throughout the pandemic, as I can attest to. So I think she does brings a lot of interesting perspectives and insights. So be sure to stay tuned for the interview. My next guest had a 17-year-long career in journalism before taking the jump into PR as Director of Public Relations at M7 Agency. Please welcome Davine Quartz to the podcast. Welcome. Hi, Paisley. Thanks so much for having me. Of course. Thanks for coming on. So why don't we get started with how you first got interested in communications?
1: so i'd say that it probably started whenever i was really little um i grew up with living with my parents and my grandma and she was losing her sight due to diabetes and she would have me read she taught me to read by having her read having she taught me to read by having me read the obituaries in our local paper to her so like these long hungarian names and it got me on the newspaper bug. Um, you know, I was 10 years old and in fifth grade at a Catholic school, getting in trouble for, uh, making my own newspaper. Um, you know, (laughs) end up in high school, um, ended up the youngest editor of our school paper. Um, and by the time I was a sophomore, I had a column in the local, uh, weekly paper. Um, so I kind of just, I got that bug of telling stories and talking to people from a really, really young age.
0: Well, I always love hearing those stories about how, you know, you find your passion so young, because I feel like in communications, there's so many avenues that people can get involved in PR or journalism or any of that. So I just always find it so interesting how everyone gets interested in the profession.
1: Yeah, I think everybody's got different stories, but you'll find out, I think that a lot of us just were, we say in Pittsburgh, nebby, <laughs> but really naturally curious from a
0: young age, which gets you kind of in a little bit of trouble. <laughs> Um, So, you know, going off of that from your passion for communications, you know, how did that translate into your time in college?
1: So, funny story, spent three years as a pharmacy major. (laughs) Um, I was one of those kids who was really good at science and math. And, you know, I remember being 15 years old, taking the PSATs and wanting to put down that I wanted to be a journalist. And my mom looked at me and she's like, "Davine, you're not going to make any money as a journalist. (laughs) You're so good at science and math. Why don't you look at some of those fields? Mom was looking out for me. And so I ended up, I got a scholarship to a couple universities. Um, My mom had muscular dystrophy and I was really passionate about doing research pharmacy to help find a cure for her disease. So started out in college and couldn't pass a science class to save my life. (laughs) Spent all of my spare time working on the local news on the school newspaper, (laughs) three years, lost my scholarship, Um, (laughs) transferred to a different university and was like, okay, I'm gonna major in microbiology. I don't know. Um, came home with like a 13% on a, uh, on a, a biochem exam. And my mom looks at me and I'll, I'll censor this, but she's like, <laughs> what the do you want to do with your life? Like it's my fourth year of college. I've got like so many credits. Cause I was doing like 18 credits a semester and retaking all my classes that I struggled with. And I looked at her, I'm like, I want to be a reporter. And she's like, go change your major. I, I finished my journalism comms degree from undergrad from the University of Pittsburgh in three semesters I started interning at um, on my hometown paper the one that my Grammy had me reading the obits from <laughs> and um, you know at the time I was doing PR and comms for our city crime watch um, so I was kind of I was doing it already and I, I was so passionate about it but I kept trying and I think, a lot of my students over the years have, have kind of understood this but I was trying to squeeze this square peg into a round hole and it wasn't working so I um I finished up my uh it took me five and a half years to get my my BA in uh, technically English writing journalism because Pitt didn't have a, a journalism program and you know coming out of that I didn't have a clear direction and I didn't feel like I had all the foundations. So I applied for Point Park University's master's program and got accepted to that the same day that I got the internship that turned into my first full-time job. So, um, you know, got my master's in comm and uh, journalism in mass comm. And thankfully that allowed me to teach. And it really, you know, I spent all of my undergrad time working on my school papers, um, you know, covered the inauguration of the, the second inauguration of president George W. Bush which, you know, dates me a little bit age-wise, but, (laughs) you know, like it was so cool to get those opportunities and to just really hone my skills as a, as a storyteller.
0: Wow. That's so interesting how, like, you never know how your life's going to pan out and how important it is to follow your passions. And so from, you know, getting that first internship in journalism and then starting as a journalist and working for so many years to now working in PR, what was that transition like for you?
1: It was hard. It was hard. Um, You know, I loved my time as a journalist um you know one thing you'll find most most journalists will tell you is that it's not just a career for us it's our identity so after covering COVID for a little bit over a year I think it was 15 months um being on the front lines of it for a state team as well as my local the local paper I wrote for you know I knew I needed a change and the opportunity came up to me um my boss, Jim Christiana called me and asked me if I'd come in and take a meeting. And I'd work with Jim as a reporter because he has, he was former state rep and he had a lot of clients in our coverage area. And he wanted me to come in and, and run his PR department. And it was the right time for a change. But if anybody tells you changing careers in your thirties is easy, they are lying. <laughs> um, you know, there's so many translatable skills, but I think one of the biggest things that you have to, you know, as a journalist, and when you've been in a career for so long, you rely on your instincts to give you, you know, when you're not sure if you're doing something right, you rely on those instincts to tell you, yes, this is what I should do. Yes, I'm doing the right thing. Um, when you change careers, those have to be honed again. And nobody tells you that. And, you know, I've been really lucky to have such a great supportive team at M7. Um, They're fantastic. And they've been patient and helped me navigate through all the twists and turns of, you know, changing what your identity is. And it's, you know, it's funny now. I don't think of myself as a journalist anymore. Although I do still slip and call our main office, the newsroom, old habits die hard. (laughs) Um, But, you know, I... I'm a PR person. I'm a PR pro. And it's, I'm getting more and more comfortable with that identity. It's, it's been uh, nine months now and the transition, you know, to full-time PR has been, like I said, it, it was rocky. It was definitely rocky, but it was awesome.
0: Yeah I, yeah. I can only imagine, you know, reporting on COVID because I feel like just the normal person hearing about it on the news and seeing all this go on, it must've been so exhausting on that aspect. And, you know, I can definitely see where you had that room to want to, Go on to another career and definitely you know PR it is very stressful and trying to get into that so you know it's such a you know a weird time in our all of our lives and so it's so interesting to see how you know so many people have found new passions through, through the pandemic like you did.
1: Honestly I mean I love the work that I did on COVID. Um, I led Gannett Pennsylvania's coverage of the vaccine rollout. Um, I was a data journalist by trade um, and, uh, local politics. And it was fascinating. And I loved what I was writing, but you can only work six days a week, 12 hours a day for so long. And, you know, when you find yourself sitting there texting sources at 10 o'clock at night and knowing that you're going to be up again, doing it the next morning, you, you realize that you need, you need to change your pace and you need to, you need to hit a reset button. And this has been a way to, still share information and still tell stories, but to do it at a different pace and in a different, not to say that the pace isn't still insane. Um, Jimmy always tells me that I was drinking from a fire hose for my first four months and he's not <laughs> wrong. Um, but it, you know, it's a different, it's a different type of stress.
0: Yes. And um, going off of that too, you know, what was it like to join PR in such a transformative time for the industry. I feel like so many things have changed just by industry standards over the past year. I mean, it's just been crazy to see, you know, how many things are not the same because we anticipated we're going back to the office when the vaccines first came out and now it's become a completely different ball game with people working from home. I work remotely in PR. um, And, you know, just seeing all these new digital ways that PR professionals need to be aware of as well as the traditional media relations.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that there's there's a lot of changes.
0: You know, you mentioned
1: like the the work from home thing. We we do a hybrid thing um, as needed at M7. And I kind of had a leg up on that from working from home for as long as I did in the last job. But, you know, learning how to communicate in that way is, I think it's an adjustment for everybody. You know, we're so used to having people sit across the room from us and being able to yell over or get up and walk to somebody's desk or knock on a partner's door. And now... I think our generation, especially, you know, I'm a millennial, we've gotten out of phones. We like emails and texts and in person and picking up the phone is not <laughs> always the easiest thing to do. And sometimes even it's, you know, antithetically, the last thing you think to do, um, you know, just in the way we do PR, I'm actually excited about the way I'm seeing it change. You know, I just wrote a blog post for M7 about the death of spray and pray and how we're moving away from the idea of blanketing out press releases to no, you know, 50 reporters, most of whom probably aren't going to open it. And, you know, this focus on targeted, targeted pitching and the focus on, you know, good writing. It's really been an awesome time to, to kind of transition in and, and especially like we do a lot of omni-channel work at M7. So getting to, to do those collaborations and see how much more collaborative we are at, you know, between marketing and PR, it's, it's been really cool.
0: Yeah. And going back to what you said about the storytelling aspect as well, it just become that much more important to tell client stories in such a more um, in intentional way, rather than before, like you were talking about with the press release blog that you were talking about. Um, you know, I just have found so many times where reporters aren't open to kind of stories of before that might may have, they may have been able to make it work. Now it's more of like, it has to be more in their beat because the labor shortage, they don't have people to write about it. So there's so many things that P.R. professionals should be aware of with those relationships with journalists, which I want to get into a little bit later. But, um, you know, from your experience teaching at Point Park University and mentoring students, you know, what's your best advice for students who are currently studying communications now before they enter this industry that's kind of going into all these new ways and new ways of doing things?
1: Yeah, I... I you know, I've said this, I said this to journalism students, I've said this to PR students, I've said this to multimedia students, get out there and get experience. Do every internship you can get your hands on, every bit of freelance work you can get your hands on, because our field, you learn by doing. And, you know, we can teach you, and I I would say this to my kids all the time, I can teach you all the theory I want. Whether you listen to it or not, that's great. You're going to learn when you're doing the project and that that's the thing I've I've underscored a million times is like I had a really promising student she was one of the best journalism students I had um whenever I taught intro uh, and the intro class was required for PR calm multimedia everywhere in Point Park and I won't say her name um but she she was one of the most promising freshmen I'd ever worked with and she comes to me towards the end of the semester and she'd been a journalism major. And she's like, Davine, she's like, you're going to hate me for this. She's like, but I'm changing my major to PR. And I'm like, why? I'm like, we need people passionate about journalism. She's like, I can't keep my opinion out of it. As soon as she said that to me, I mean, if you can't keep your opinion out of journalism, please get, get the hell out. <laughs> <laughs> but I look at her now. She's graduated. She's a couple years into her career. She just threw a huge successful event for the local PRSA chapter. She made the right decision because she got out. She saw that while she loved and had a passion for it, it wasn't the right niche for her in communications. And I see the success she's having. And I've seen that with numerous students of mine over the years. And the thing is, you don't know until you go in and experience it. And whether that be freelance projects or getting into a newsroom or a PR room or, you know, doing some crisis communications for a, for a nonprofit, like, get out there, see what all is out there, because there's so many different ways to be a writer and a storyteller today.
0: Yeah, there, there are just so many things that I saw in my college experience as well of, you know, I work with my student run agency that we had with real clients and, you know, worked on the student newspaper because I was a PR and journalism major and, you know, did a lot of that say events and work and, had a mentor through there and i feel like i learned so much more like you were saying to your point that is such a great thing that you shared um that you know i learned so much through that and as much as i learned in my classes and that was all great and everything i just feel like building that portfolio as well made me stand out in my interviews you had much more to talk about and it even like set me up for my career in a pr agency because they kind of know i kind of know how things work in an agency setting and so that is so important to have that experience and like i was talking about with another guest as well especially in journalism that portfolio you know, they don't even really want to see you for an interview for a job or an internship if you don't have something to show for it nowadays. Yeah.
1: And you find out where your strengths and your weaknesses are too. And then you find out how to leverage
0: your weaknesses as a strength. Definitely. Um, So, you know, going off of that too. So if there are students who are studying PR or even that are studying PR and journalism together, you know, what should students be knowing about that relationship between PR professionals and journalists? Because I feel like that's one of the mainstays of PR and journalism to kind of build that balance, especially when they're receiving press releases or, you know, working on any of that. So what is your advice for that relationship building? So this was, this isn't just for students,
1: but I would say for any PR professional right now, know your audience know who you're pitching to know how a newsroom works um they've changed a lot even like in the last three years i look at the last three years of my career how much newsrooms changed and you know what people are covering know what the process is you know one of the most useful tips that um A friend of mine who, she is such a comms badass, but when I was doing my, one of my first pitches, she's like, she told me, she's like, well, make sure you call the local news stations between this time and this time and ask if your press release is on the morning meetings or in the, in the folder for the, for the meetings. That helped me get so much coverage because I knew how to, you know, who to talk to and what to do. And I didn't have broadcast experience. Um, and, you know, a lot of people who are in broad, who maybe had a broadcast career and they're transitioning, or maybe they interned in a broadcast and they have decided to go PR route. They don't know how a print newsroom works. Um, and honestly, there's a lot of different ways a print newsroom works, but, you know, do your research and don't just, re- this is probably like the dirty word to say, but don't <laughs> just rely on your database um, because they're wrong a lot. Google, it's your friend, know what's, you know, look and see what you can find out and who's, who's actually covering what, because you're gonna build a better relationship with reporters if you're talking to them about what they're actual, what's actually useful to them. I mean, I hate to take it down to a transactionary level because I'm all about relationship building, but whenever you are in a short staffed newsroom and running around in all kinds of circles and management can't decide what they want to put on A1 today, you need to be able to have people that don't waste your time. So know how, make sure that you're following the news, make sure you understand what is newsworthy. Um, you know, the, that's, I think one of the biggest issues that I see Um, When people transition from college into PR or whenever, even honestly with some PR folks is just that not necessarily understanding why or what, you know, you're pitching.
0: Oh, yeah, that's such a great point you just brought up, because I feel like we talk about the perfect pitch and having the perfect media list. But that research aspect sometimes goes, you know, under the rug, like people sweep it under the rug. And, you know, I have found myself kind of feeling like a stalker sometimes because I'm looking on the reporter's Twitter and I'm looking at, you know, their muckrack and just seeing what they've written in the past and looking on Google and, you know, what kind of trending topics they're writing about. And, you know, just as an example for listeners, something I was seeing the other day in my own job is we were trying to get in touch with this journalist and we just happened to go on his Twitter and follow him. We have like a team account uh, with our team at my agency and uh, saw that he really liked the Boston Red Sox. So we shifted our pitch to kind of include the Red Sox and all that. And, you know, it's just the that amount of time that you spend putting that personal aspect into it is going to show in the journalist inbox. They're going to want to click on it more. And just like you said, you know, it is important to build that relationship. And a part of doing that is, you know, finding those personal aspects.
1: Yeah. And I mean, journalists go for Twitter. It's, I, I don't know why it stands out more than other social platforms, but, you know, and it's an easy way to start to build some, a little bit of camaraderie. Like if I am working with a client in an area that I don't have an established media list. And I start looking, okay, who are the journalists? Are they, are they active on Twitter? Where, what's their social media uh, platform of choice? And I follow them if they're public. And then, you know, I I'll like things or, you know, respond because it lets you, you know, it lets them show a personality, but it also lets you start to build a little bit of a relationship.
0: Yeah, definitely. And something I talked about too with another guest was how social media is so valuable to journalists today as well to expand that reach of their story to help them find new sources. You know, if you build that camaraderie on Twitter and they retweet the story that you share that they wrote, and then maybe they call on you again for a source or so, another one of your clients at the agency, it's just so important to be looking into all these different channels. And that's why it's been such a transitional time, like we we're talking about before too, in our agency, because you can't just worry about, you know, that email transaction and then let that, you know, go on the back burner after you finish the story or, you know, the interviews completed with your client. I just uh, find that so interesting how you have to be on top of everything. Exactly. And I
1: mean, it's, it's a lot coming at you, but I mean, the, that's the world we live in now.
0: Definitely. So talking more about like recent graduates. Um, so what is your advice for recent graduates just starting out in an agency and having to take on a big campaign like um the ones you worked on with the Kentucky Derby and the PPG Paints Arena or so early on in their in their career and how do they balance that I mean it's going to come back down to that
1: research piece I think that at the end of the day and my my team chuckles at me because I always (laughs) want to be prepared like I'm very much so do, do the hard work up front and it makes the end result a little bit easier to get to because it's a lot easier to do your, you do your research, have your materials ready, have everything ready that whenever you've got to say, hey, I need to blast this out to people I've never talked to before and make it interesting that, you know, what you're blasting out to, who you're blasting out to, um, you know, the, the biggest thing for me is just that extra level of preparedness and research. I I think it gets really underestimated. Um, you know, people think that people don't realize how much hard work it is to do PR and media relations. And, you know, it's not about who, you know, it's not even really about, I know. I would say it's more about what, you know, Because it's about how you're presenting it and what your what your research has shown you to do. And I think at the end of the day, that's where, you know, if you do that hard work up front, it really can have an impact and really help you get a lot of impressions and a lot of, of feedback and
0: pickups. Yeah, that research aspect is so important. And I feel like it is rewarding in its own ways. I mean, you never know what you're going to find out there. I mean, just looking at surface information and going off of that isn't enough to, you know, have those results for your clients like you were talking about. Um, You know, and I think it brings the extra mile too. I think clients, when you go the extra mile, it makes them happier, happier in the results. And they really love working with people who are working hard and are looking into every aspect that they could get into because, you know, as we know, sometimes business owners are not as, you know, familiar with the PR side of what we do. So really showing off that research aspect and finding those, you know, cool avenues to get this campaign going is also such a big part of it too, is that client relations factor. Yeah.
1: And I think that that, I think you make a really good point with that. I mean, and you never know what your client, what use your client might even have for that research and other, you know, going back to the omni-channel idea.
0: Yeah. It's always good to have things to go back and pull from for the future. (laughs) Exactly. exactly. So from your work in PR, do you see any trends on the horizon for 2022? So we talked about
1: this on uh, the M7 socials for our, uh, our new year's posts. Um, I think that the biggest trends that we're going to see this year is an increased focus on writing. And I know some people are are mixed on that, but I really do think that strong storytelling and strong writing is what is going to carry PR moving forward. Um, I also think that more targeted individualized, um, those, those are my two, my two trends for 2022 is, is those two things, because I think that you know, we've talked about this a little bit already, you know, as reporters are getting busier, you know, you have to be innovative and you have to know how to pitch to them in a way that's going to resonate and not land you in their junk mail. Um, so I think that strong writing and keeping, uh, you know, being targeted and deliberate, um, I'm huge, um, fan of being mindful about everything you do. And I think that that translates over to what we do as well. You know, just shooting out, uh, you know, just just shooting out
0: to anybody and everybody isn't going
1: to cut, cut it anymore.
0: Um, yeah, those are, those are some great, um, you know, trends that you're saying for there on the horizon. I totally agree as well. And, you know, that writing aspect is so big in PR. And I feel like sometimes that goes unnoticed, as unwell, just like the research. I mean, I've heard people say in PR classes before, oh, I'm such a bad writer. Then, I mean, that's a big part of PR. You know, you have to be prepared for all of that. And, you know, like we're talking about too, with that intent, being intentional and reaching out to the right journalist, it is going to impress both sides, you know, the clients you're working with and the journalists as well. And, um, you know, that it goes back to that relationship as well of, Being able to call on them in the future for future stories, or they're calling on you for sources with other clients. So definitely, those are some great um, those some great trends you shared. Um, And so, from your background in you know working at Point Park and in working with students, um, you know, is there a class if you are teaching a fictional class? Um, and it was with everything you learned in journalism and what you've learned in PR, what would you call it? Because I feel like sometimes journalism classes and PR classes are so polarized. They're either just about journalism or just about PR and you never see a class that's really mixed all together.
1: Yeah, um, so I thought a lot about this because I've had the chance to design courses before for a couple different universities. And it's, it's a fun thing, but if I could design my ideal class for both, I would say it would be how to tell a compelling story because it's the one thing that links journalism and PR because it doesn't matter, you know, in in PR, whether we're doing an internal comms project, whether we're doing a media relations blast, um, whether we're doing earned media, owned media, blogging, whatever. If it's not a compelling story, nobody cares. Like we can talk about SEO till the cows come home. We can do all the, you know, if if you want somebody to notice you, you've got to tell a compelling story. And I'm not talking about what words you use or how, how you spin a yarn. I'm talking, God, listen to me. I sound way older there, but <laughs> I mean, we're not, I'm talking about knowing, you know, how to build drama in the story, how to come to a, a, a point and then, you know, slowly bring it to an end, how to draw somebody in with a hook or a lead that makes them say, whoa, I need to keep reading this. And it's a skill that is translatable between the two fields and, you know, knowing what type of research to include, when to include numbers. I think that telling a compelling story just has so many pieces. And it, it, that's, that would be my ideal class to teach.
0: Well, if I was back in college and that was being taught, I definitely enroll in that class because that is such a big you know, part of what we do. And that's what really drew me to studying both PR and journalism as a double major, because I did have that passion for storytelling. And it goes back to what we're talking about, you know, being intentional and, you know, really going after those right contacts and making it compelling, because sometimes I feel like, again, going back to that client factor of sometimes clients don't understand that not everything's in an um but definitely that's that's something that I think would be very interesting for college students to learn about.
1: Yeah, and I think that you know, like I said, it's it's the two pieces there. It's knowing what's newsworthy. You know, I've one of the phrases that, and this is, this dates me a little bit. Um, you know, we always would hear about uh, dog bites man isn't newsworthy, but man bites dog is. <laughs> you know, everybody everybody's in. Everybody's got their seed round of investments going. Everybody's doing this or that. You know, yeah, there are press releases that we have to write that, you know, that are announcements. And those are great for the trade journals because, you know, they'll get that little blurb in and it'll get your information out. that. That's great. But if you really want your content to sing, it's gotta be about the story. It's gotta be that compelling who, what, where, when, why, and how and then how you tell it. And that doesn't matter whether it's a press release. I mean, I have a blast writing some of my press releases. It does blogs, um, you know, website copy. Um, you know one of the things that I've loved that we've gotten to do is we've, we've revitalized, just completely redone how we do a press packet for our clients. And if you can find a unique way to make those press materials sing, that's going to draw people's attention. And I mean, that's, that's what we're supposed to do, right?
0: Yes, definitely. Yeah. That's such a great point you bring up. And I think that's a great way to close out the questions portion, but one final thing that I wanted to ask you, and it's something that I asked all my guests. um, But before I ask that question, are you familiar with Sophia Amoruso? Yes. So kind of an inspiration to her. She's my favorite girl boss. Um, I love to ask my guests who their favorite girl boss is because I love to end the episode on, you know, celebrating a woman who's doing something great. So who is your favorite girl boss? And it can't be more than one because we've had that in the past. It can or it can't? It can. Okay, good. Because I have
1: one (laughs) in the PR world and one in the journalism world. Awesome. So um, first one, I'll go with my journalism world. Um, there's an investigative reporter for USA Today named Jamie Fraser, who is phenomenal, kick ass. She's insanely talented, no ego does an amazing job of helping those around her be better and telling amazing, compelling stories. Um, I had the chance to work with Jamie a handful of times, um, in my, in, uh, during the COVID months and just the professionalism, the heart and soul, like that girl is a, she's a boss. I love it. And from the PR world, um, so there is a woman who I've never met that I follow on Twitter, who I am consistently amazed by, um, the leadership, the, uh, just the professionalism, the, the willingness to, to me, I think one of the biggest things about being a girl boss is being willing to collaborate and lift others up. And, uh, I don't know if you know, Michelle Garrett, but she runs too many hashtags in Twitter spaces for me to keep track of. <laughs> But she's always out there encouraging people, um, helping connect people, and I think that in, in, you know, leading her own freelance business. And I think that that just is kind
0: of the, those two women are the epitome to me of what a girl boss is. Well, I love this question. And I say this in every episode because I always learn about so many women that I haven't heard of before that right after I am done recording, I always run to go follow them online and everything. Um, And yeah, and that's why I started the show too, because I just love shouting out women who are doing great things and telling their stories like yourself and, you know, just talking about all these wins, because I always say this as well, um, you know, as communicators, like we're talking about that storytelling, it's so great to tell our clients stories, but to be able to tell our own stories is just as rewarding. And even to share, you know, a woman to check out and not to be afraid to, you know, shout out someone you admire. I feel like that's such a big thing for, you know, women in our industry. So thank you so much for sharing them
1: no problem. And I, you know, you, you you said about wins and I, if it's okay for me to kind of offer one more piece of advice, you know, as somebody who, you know, wins are really measurable in journalism, number of clicks you get, the number of shares you get on Facebook, the number of hate comments that you get. Um, (laughs) They're a little, it's a little more ubiquitous in, in PR. And one of the things that's been really important for me, because I think we all kind of fall into like the external validation. Um, And I think that in PR, we really have to focus on our own internal validation. What did I do better today than I did yesterday? What is the, what is the win that I had for myself? The thing I didn't think I could do that I did, whether it's bringing on a new client, picking up the phone and calling somebody and, you know, whenever you, want to bring them in or, you know, pitching to a super huge, uh, publication, you know, if we don't try, we're never going to see those wins. And the other thing that I've been saying to myself and a couple of friends lately is we never grow or change from a place of comfort. So if we're uncomfortable, those big wins are going to come.
0: I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, it's so important to have those personal benchmarks that you want to hit because, you know, we're always chasing the client KPIs and things you want to hit, but that, that's such a great point that you bring up of always, you know, being in check with yourself and what you're doing and how you can be better. Um, so just thank you so much for ending the episode on such a great note. And thank you so much for coming on the show as well. This has been great chatting and being able to connect. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for listening. Did you enjoy this episode? Head to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. Want to drop us a line? Click the link in our Instagram bio to leave us a voicemail. And who knows, it might even end up on the show. See you next week for more tips and tricks of the trade.